Welcome back to the Multipod. My name is Ted and my co-host today is Vanessa. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Happy to be here as always. Yeah, and Happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Year. Oh my gosh, 2022. <laughs> oh, what a wild ride it's been. I'm oh, yeah. cautiously optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one day at a time, I think, at this yeah, point. <laughs> definitely. So it's not only a new year, it's also the fourth anniversary of the launch of this podcast, The Multipod. We started the first week of January of 2018, so wow. um, four full years now in the bank, and I don't even really know what to think about it. I mean, I, I didn't set out myself with Sandrian at the time to, you know, just kind of set certain trajectories or goals in terms of how far we'd go. It just says we just kept going, really, and it's been, I think, a real testament to our whole team here. And there's been lots of people who've come and gone through the that uh, journey, I guess, of getting to this point, who've contributed to this show. But yeah, we we just enjoy doing it. So now we've hit four years. So here to help us celebrate that is someone who I think a lot of you listening will probably be familiar with. He's quite active within the Puttyverse. He's been around also for just over four years, so it's pretty similar timing there, nice. and I'm pleased to welcome Ryan Cena to the show. Ryan, how are you doing? Great, Ted. Thanks for inviting me, Vanessa. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. And yeah, I'm just over four years. September was four years for me, or late August. That's right. It was four years. 2017 then for you, yeah. And we started yes. this in January 2018. Huh. Very nice. Do you remember what brought you to the Puttyverse, how you discovered the group, and, and why you try, why you joined? I went against every librarian and school teacher's rules. I did judge a book by its cover. I saw Emily's book one day. At the, I, I live in Cleveland, Ohio, and I was at the Cleveland Public Library, and I see this bright yellow book just staring at me, How to Be Everything. And of course, I, I picked it up and looked at the front cover, or opened up the front cover, I should say, and read the first. I'm like, oh, this sounds cool. And as I, started, as I took it home and started reading it, I thought Emily had wrote my biography. <laughs> I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, and I'm pretty much grown up. I'm uh, 6'3". Don't, don't ask me to do the metrics, uh, the metric system on that one, but uh, I'm a pretty tall guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost as tall as Joel, for those of you who've met uh, Joel in person at different events. But I, I read the book cover to cover and enjoyed it and decided, okay, I'll start on Putty-like. Hmm. And then I eventually did buy a, uh, my own individual copy after I returned to one of the library and joined the Puttyverse, I think, the next time the, the gates opened. Yeah. Nice. And early on, as I tell a lot of newer people, when we introduce them in the forum, I really know what I was doing either. You, you open up the forum one day and you're like, oh my gosh, there's mm -hmm. there's 150 topics here and there's sometimes <laughs> there's one little head next to it or a little symbol and then there's three people replying to it and then there's nobody replying to it and you, you kind of build yourself from there. And yeah, it, it's been a great, it's been one of the great experiences in my lifetime. I've met many wonderful people, some in person at the uh, 2019 what was it called? The Every, Everything the conference. conference, yes. And cool. others, I've just established friendships through the community, sometimes in talks like this or, or different mm -hmm. events. But that's what caught me in, and that's why I'm hooked. Nice. nice. Your description of the first time opening the forum is very accurate. I was just diagnosed with ADHD, but I think that I've been dealing with it for a very long time. And I go into the forum sometimes, and I'm like, that topic has 25-plus little heads next to it. And a hundred something replies, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> I'm sure it's a very interesting conversation that's happening, but it's just so much sometimes. Would you say, Ryan, you're someone who kind of 
floats in and out of the puttyverse, as some of us do. You know, we get busy and everything. Or do you log in consistently? Do you kind of participate in chat and things fairly consistently? I log in almost daily. And sometimes I just give the like or the heart to mm. one post. Other times I just look to see if anything's replied to me and I, re I reply back or, or, or see if I can support somebody another way. But most days I, I log in and then I've recently taken over as the host of the Fortnightly. So right. I definitely involve that every, every other Saturday. I definitely want to hear about the Fortnightly. I hate to say, not really sure exactly what it is. Would you like to describe it? Former Puttyverse member Doug Walker, just, just a peach of a guy, mm -hmm. a wonderful guy. Doug started that in 2015. And many people, that was their whole lifeline in and out of the, uh, the Puttyverse. Mm -hmm. They just came to do that. And then I stumbled upon it during one of the Putty Thons. Doug labeled it as an accountability group. I think we're more of a blend of accountability and entertainment wrapped around encouragement and support for each other. There's a handful of us who are regulars almost every two weeks. And then there's others who come and go depending on their schedules are. It's when you have a worldwide community such as ours, you can't accommodate every time zone. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm in the east I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, so the east eastern time zone of the United States. So we go at it at nine o'clock in the morning, my time, which for our friends in the Central European time zone is usually two or three in the afternoon. But if you've already started doing your plans on a Saturday, it's kind of hard to stop what you're doing and then join on for an hour or two and then go back to what you were doing. For other people in, in Asia and stuff, it's even it's, it's later in the evening. So you're either having, you're either having dinner plans or you're ready to go to bed. So <laughs> we have some people in, who just wake up in the middle of the night and join us. And other people didn't have anything else going on. But, oh, wow. But like I said, we're, most, we're labeled as an accountability group and we do set goals for ourselves and we do set goals for the next two weeks and talk about what we did the two weeks prior. But it's, it's evolved more into a support group without being labeled as a support group. You open up the forum your, your first day once you set your password and get logged in and you're, you're whoa, you described this as, as ADHD. I, I compared it to, uh, there was a young reporter 100 plus years ago who met Theodore Roosevelt, the US president for the first time. And he said, shaking his hand was like opening your first bottle of champagne just <laughs> everywhere. And that's kind, of, that's kind of what I think the forum is. You open the forum for the first time and it's, like opening your first bottle of champagne or shaking up a warm can of, of beer or soda. And you just, it just goes everywhere. There's no containing it. Yeah. But it was really that group that got me more involved. Doug and, and Henriette Hamer, Heather Sprague. Since then, uh, Rita has joined us uh, very, very often. Made friends with Charlotte over in uh, Paris and uh, Mandy in South Africa. Antonia in Germany. Marta in Italy. I don't think I could lose interest in this type of group. I don't think a lot of people do. But I think the overwhelmment of just seeing that much that's out there. And, yeah. and you know, Emily in her book and even in her TED Talk said, I didn't realize there was other people like me. And all of a sudden you realize that maybe not everybody in the forum or in the putty verses like you, mm -hmm. but there's so many like gold and like sold individuals that you, you kind of find your way. That's why I'm happy to be at Doug. He has a, a YouTube site, Roominess, where he does uh, interior design counseling and some fun videos for it. And he wanted to devote more time to that. And, and we started talking the end of October. Would I be willing to take over? And I said, yeah, I said, I'll, I'll do it. So. Kind of like the Tonight Show, Passing the Torch. It went from uh, <laughs> Steve Allen to Jack Parr to Johnny Carson and to Leno, and, and now we're Jimmy Fallon level. But uh, that's the way I look at it, where it's the group is the core and the audience is the core of who it's going to be. It's just a, a right. different person hosting. What's your role then as the host? We usually get four to six people who show up. Sometimes we get more. And some of us have had a rough two weeks the previous two weeks and just need to be heard. Mm -hmm. Others have had, have had a great two weeks and just want to share our excitement. And some's just, some just want to come and listen. So I, I don't, other than post my own forum thread and, and keep the group moving, keep the dialogue moving each week, it's pretty much a self-contained group. 
Okay. So people come and they say, I have goals to work on this thing. And you might help them figure out action steps toward that goal. Or maybe they've been working on something and they come in and they say, here are my wins. And here's my, I want to say failures, but the things that didn't go so well. And then people support each other in that way. Mostly. Yeah. I mean, even... And, and, the, and the goals and wins are different for each person. Even the losses, we try to not so much spin it, but not everything's a loss. Uh, yeah. A lot of times there's setbacks in life and, and sure. sometimes you get a rebound. Well, that actually reminds me, I think you wrote a post that I had in front of me, farewell to good people, bad jobs. We have a lot of people who come on and talk about career and transitions and things like that. It's always nice to hear different people's stories and have gone through things like that. My work life, or as far as Emily's theories of what I most represent, it's probably more the Einstein. I do the typical day job or a regular job. That's my sole source of income now. But there's a lot of other hobbies and interests I have that, that I spend time to. So I'm definitely in that Einstein category. And maybe one day I can become a slash, but mm-hmm. Einstein's what works for me and it gets me through the day until I get to have fun and do what I want to do. But I, I'm a federal employee with the United States government, because I don't know any better. But <laughs> it's a job. It pays the bills. Yeah. But I had worked I had worked for the U.S. Department of Labor, the Office of Workers' Compensation Programs, for 13 years total. I spent 11 years with them, left for a year, went to the Federal Aviation Administration in Washington, came back to the Department of Labor when I wanted to come back to uh, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And it got to be, it had never been a great workplace. It just continued to get worse. And they allowed... The, the program management, if you will, they allowed one of our recipients, a claimant, to create and perpetuate a hostile work environment towards one of my employees in particular, later towards me, towards another supervisor, towards the district director, and then later toward the employee who wound up with this guy's case. And we're all used to the hells and the dams of the world, but we're used to a good old-fashioned ash chewing from time to time. And this is it's not uncommon for somebody to scream and yell at us, threaten to call the White House, threaten to call their congressional representative. And you, you almost become numb to it. And if it's a one-time deal, you don't think about it that often. You know, it might ruin that particular day for you. But the next time you talk to this person, if they're civil, sometimes they apologize, sometimes they don't. But if they're civil and normal, you, you, we've all had a horrible day. We've yeah. had a horrible experience. We've all, we've all had incidents that, if, if possible, we can expunge from our memory. Mm-hmm. But this guy was so over the top with his threats and to the point where I called Homeland Security Ooh. and filed uh, the U.S. police report against the guy. And brought up to my district director, and, and, and she went to the people above her, and, and they asked, well, you've been to employee relations. I said, well, I'm going to them. I said, and, and they kept that. I said, well, do you feel threatened by this individual? I said, personally, I don't, but my employee does. Mm-hmm. And my employee, before he, he came on board with us, he served in the United States military, I believe the Marines, and has PTSD as a result of his military service. Then after he left the Marines, he was a police officer in Akron, Ohio, and he was shot during a drug raid. So we talk sometimes about frame of references for people. Well, somebody who's been through that, their level of dealing with hostility from somebody else is going to be vastly different than somebody who's had, mm-hmm. not every experience is pleasant, but has had the normal ups and downs. But you have somebody threatening to come and physically remove you from your office. You, you tell this person, you, nobody's coming in anyway, the building's closed due to COVID. Well, I'm a taxpayer, I'm do what I want. It, it kept escalating. Mm-hmm. He's, he's verbally assaulted multiple employees. He's clearly created a hostile work environment. He's using uh, racial slurs, sexist slurs, uh, whatever else you want to throw in the mix there. Well, you put up with them. I said, I put up with them because I had to. I'm a supervisor. I'm not protected by the union. Mm-hmm. I've, I kept beating on the door saying, enough's enough. Nobody deserves this. And nothing's getting done. Nothing's getting done. Finally, last January, he uploaded something into his, his file, whether by accident or, or choice. Remains, nobody will ever know. 
but it's probably from like the Urban Dictionary or one of the type of sites, but it described rape. Yeah. And I'm like, enough's enough. I, I talked to a peer supervisor in another part of the country, and she's like, you can go back to employee relations. I said, yeah, I'm going to. I said, I'm, if by four o'clock today, we don't have a letter out from the leadership of this program, I use leadership, quote unquote leadership, mm-hmm. you know, enough's enough. And nothing got done. I said, this would be a whistleblower type thing because the, the management of this program has willfully neglected their duties. I said, in, in section five of my performance standards, it clearly says maintains creates and maintains and fosters a safe work environment for all individuals, a bunch of other fun legal terms in there. I said, by them not respecting my leadership, my management of a team, they've completely demolished any credibility they have as far as these employment standards. Hmm. So I wound up getting out of there. I did take another job, but they finally, I left that job in March of 21. And I think that finally the management people above my then district director finally release the do not call us letter anymore maybe in may or june of 21 but this this episode started in march of 20 wow and that's the type of stuff so when i had that title farewell to good people bad job mm-hmm. it, yeah. it crushed me it didn't crush me to leave that job and even from a skill set just the admin type work i long ago reached my potential with that job and anything i really plan to do with it so it was, I'm looking for a job, but if it happens, great. If it doesn't, life's mm-hmm. going to go on. I got a pretty steady paycheck. I got good benefits. I supervise a team of seven or eight people, most of which I get along with. I enjoy working with my peer supervisors. So if I left, I left. But when it got to this point, I, I think I quoted uh, Vito Corleone and the first thing that God wrote, what have I done to d- deserve such disrespect from you? And mm-hmm. I openly said that to out loud in that in that farewell address. I'm on a team's call, given this farewell address, because with COVID, we weren't in the office. And people didn't put themselves on mute. You just hear people audibly sobbing. No. And then it kind of hit me. And I started getting yeah. choked up and I finished off. And then people who didn't know what was going on started calling me. And it was almost, it was similar to having a press conference. Yeah. And wow. they're like, well, how'd you put up with this so long? I said, it wasn't by choice, by circumstance. I couldn't, I, I wasn't going to resign. I did talk to my doctor a couple of times about filing an occupational stress claim. And I, I know the ins and outs of how to do it. But one of the reasons I didn't file the stress claim is I don't want to take benefits or potentially take away attention from someone else who needs benefits. I, I struggled through it. I did, I did get through it, but I, I, did, I wasn't going to become somebody who, who became disabled over it. I, wasn't gonna let, I, was the, I was a partial victim, but I shifted it. We talked earlier about rebounding. I rebounded out of it. Mm-hmm. The, victim, yeah. the victim's now the employer who lost me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just it. Wow. Had you considered that job to be, you know, a quote unquote Einstein type job while you were there? I mean, up to the end, at least. Yes, it was a steady pay, a steady paycheck, good benefit. Yeah. I had the freedom. I had a, had a pretty easy schedule because they had flex scheduling. So I could start my day, whether I logged in during the telework time with, with COVID or if I went to the office, I could hmm. start my day as early as 6 a.m. or as late as 1030 a.m. And then leave as early as 2.30 p.m. or stay till 8 o'clock in the evening. So there were some days like, I only feel like working five hours today. I'll make it up later in the week. Mm-hmm. Or as long as you hit 80 hours in a pay period and you met all your goals, they didn't care how you did it. Right. Even as a supervisor, I didn't have to babysit people. When we were in the office, I supervised, kind of like I was hosting Saturday Night Live. I got up in the morning, did an opening <laughs> monologue. Hey, everybody. You know, it's great to be here. And <laughs> cracked a few jokes. Went into my office around lunchtime. It was kind of like introducing the musical guest for the evening and went to lunch, came back after an hour and... Later in the evening when I was getting ready to leave, I was like, hey, goodbye, New York. It's been a wonderful week. Thank you for the light time. And I, I kept doing it that way. We didn't have the best performing unit of the, of the whole office, let alone the entire program. But we refused to do work for other people. We refused to let the people who just throw their hands in the air. We're like, no, we're going to coach you through this. 
And, and sometimes, as awful as it sounds, I'd play the game, pretend I'm dead. And my employees would be like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I was like, well, pretend I'm dead. Pretend I'm not here and I can't answer any questions for you. What would you do? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd go ask this person. Okay, pretend that person decided to become a monk and went and is, is meditating in the Himalayas. Okay, well, pretend this person's <laughs> on a golf trip. Like, what would you do? Well, I guess I'd review the procedure manual. There's your answer. All right. No, go, go read. Tell me what you think you should do. Better yet, just go do it. And a month from now or two months from now, we'll reevaluate. And if it worked, then you have that in your toolbox. If it didn't work, then we'll try something different. And so we need to get you to make decisions. And, and some, some people, and, and I've even talked about this in, the, in different forum threads where some of the people struggle with decisions. At work, there's no decision you're going to make that's usually life-altering. And as I point out to one of my employees, she kept throwing out at me, well, you're a better decision maker, you're smarter. I said, making decisions has nothing to do with intelligence. Making decisions has, mm-hmm. to, has to be with sticking your neck out and trying something. I said, look at, look at me. I said, I'm a single guy. Yeah, taking risks. Yeah, I'm a single guy at the time. I was 41, 42 years old, not married no kid, or any kids. I said, look at your life. I said, you chose to join the United States Navy. That's a life-altering decision because mm-hmm. even though you were in non-combat zones, you'd never know. You might not come mm-hmm. back. That's a life-altering decision. I said, while you're in the Navy, you met a man. Things worked out. You married him. Marriage, that's a life-altering decision. It's a very <laughs> hard thing to walk away from if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I said, you and you and he have two children. Those are life-altering decisions. Once the genie's out of the bottle, there's no way to put it back in. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're, you're a mom the rest of your life, but at least for 15 to 20 years, you are you know, the sole provider, you and your husband co-providers for these two children. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. Yeah, when you came back from the Navy, you, you were first in Florida, you decided to move back to Ohio to be near your family. Moving, that's a life-altering decision. You've bought houses, sold houses, bought another house. That's a, those are life-altering decisions. You went to college and earned a degree. That's a life-altering decision. I said, there's nothing you're going to do in this job that's anywhere near that life-altering. Mm-hmm. There's nothing here that mm-hmm. if you make a mistake and comes back on a remand or, or a reverse order, that, okay, you, you huff and puff for a few minutes or a day or so, and then you get back, right in the, you get back on the saddle, you ride again. I said, You've made all those decisions that changed your life, changed your husband's life, changed the life of your parents, changed the life of your husband's parents, all these different mm-hmm. things you've done. There's nothing here that's going to be near that compound as far as a ripple effect. If it's a healthy perspective. Yeah. It reminds yeah. me of that. I, I keep seeing this meme floating around Facebook that's like, if you're, if you died, <laughs> tragically, heaven forbid, you died tragically, right. randomly one day, your, what was it? Like your job would be trying to replace you within a day like you know they'll mourn probably but you know Uh they're gonna need to find somebody to replace you like pretty much right away and it's a good perspective because it kind of taught me like i think i'm also moving into the i don't know if it's called einstein maybe it is the idea of having sort of a job that supports me financially so that i can go do other things outside of my work time have the good benefits have a decent income so i can take care of myself and my family but it's not the be all end all of my life. And I need to be in a situation where I'm relatively happy, but it doesn't have to be like, you know, it's, it's not the only part of my life. There are many, many other aspects of my life. And that meme really puts that into perspective for me. And that goes with what you were just saying, like all those other things you've done in your life are those major life-changing events. And I hate, yeah, we have this like idea that work and career is everything. And I'm not sure I'm willing to live my life that way anymore. <laughs> the, the great Bill Russell, I quote him a lot of times with new people in the forum, especially when they, I don't know where to start, I don't know where to start. Well, he, he was a, he's primarily known as a basketball player. And people talk about LeBron James and Michael Jordan in the debate, who's the greatest basketball player of all time. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael Jordan won six NBA championships. LeBron's won four. Bill Russell won 11. Mm-hmm. So combined, they haven't, they, and he didn't score as much as them. He's arguably the greatest defensive player of all time, but from his 
junior year in high school, 1955, till his final year in the NBA in 1969. He won two high school championships, two college basketball championships, an Olympic gold medal, 11 NBA championships, including the last two when he was both the player and the coach, and he was the first black coach in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of his great quotes is, all winning streaks start with a single victory. So when I see someone in the forum struggling with, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, sometimes just getting out of bed is the start of a winning streak. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Different people with different conditions, that might be it. Or going for that, applying for that job, mm-hmm. and if, it, if the interview results with it. Or signing up for that course. And then going to course that first day, whether it's online or whether it's in person, but that's how you build a winning streak. Mm-hmm. It's going from sometimes just going simple, going from A to B, or even from A to double A before you go to B. Yeah, uh, those little steps. But I bring up Bill Russell because Vanessa, I think this relates to you. People would tell him, "Oh, you're my," when he was playing, "You're my favorite basketball player of all time." Or people after he retired, "You're the greatest player I ever saw." And he, he rejected the role of being labeled as a basketball player. He said, "I'm a complete and total human being who, among other things, plays a great game of basketball." Yeah, I'm also a, I'm also a father, a writer. He had a radio show in the, after he retired. He hosted Saturday Night Live. He, uh, President Obama presented with the presidential medical freedom. So wow. that's what you tell people. I'm a complete and total human being who, among other things, is one of the great basketball players who ever played the game. And I think that's another perspective people can look at where we're labeled. We're, we're more than just accountants or teachers, lawyers, doctors, researchers. We're flesh and blood. We're, we're bone. We're, we're tissue. We're emotions. We're psyche. We're thoughtful. We're caring. There's so many yeah. other terms that could be applied to it and, and other roles in our lives that yeah, you, you need to have a job to earn some income or, or have a series of jobs that pay your bills and, and uh, keep you filled with food and keep clothes on your back and keep a house warm and and keep those you need to keep your, your, your children or your spouse or your partners, whomever, keep, keep them comfortable and well. But it took a long time for me to realize the wisdom in that statement. That's really, that's pretty cool. I love hearing about new people and things. So that's awesome. And this also makes me think of like, you go to, I guess, pre-COVID times, but happening again as things improve a bit but go to a party and it's like the first thing somebody asks you when you meet them is what do you do and it's like what they're expecting you to say is like well i'm a teacher or i'm a banker or whatever and i'm like maybe i'll turn it on its head sometime and be like well (laughs) i i don't know i'm not a mom but i have fur babies so i'm a fur baby mom (laughs) or like (laughs) those other things that aren't just all about what is my where does my paycheck come from you know not to say that there's anything wrong with work but I also am like, you know, not a capitalist, let's put it that way. So to me, it's like, I, I am going through that process of shifting my perspective on work. So I had to have a huge shift because I, I call myself a recovering workaholic from my somewhere between sophomore, junior and high school through most of my time through college before I got my first real job or grown up job, if you will. I just like to work and I worked full time, went to school full time. It wore me out. Mm-hmm. I didn't have much of a social life, but it's what fulfilled me. And even looking back at it 20 some years later, I probably would have done it much different unless I would have chosen to go to a different college and moved away and mm-hmm. had to do something else. But work meant more to me than a lot of other things. But as I've gotten older, it's okay. A paycheck's a paycheck. It, you have that good 15 to 20 second feeling like, all right, there's money in the checking account. Life's looking good. And then it's like, okay, that's over with. I mean, <laughs> it's the, it's the, if you remember back to when you were a child or if you were, or if those of you have kids of your own, you watch them on Christmas morning, open that present. There's that, there's a thing they always want Santa Claus to bring them. And <laughs> two days later, they're more interested in the box that it came in than they are the present itself. It gets really in the bottom of the toy box or it's never <laughs> seen from again until it goes out of the garage sale. And that's kind of what some jobs become to people. Yeah. And, and I, I've shifted a lot. Like I said, I worked. Even my first job out of college, I, were, I was a store manager for Walgreens, mm-hmm. going through management training. I mean, I from late January till 
November, I probably averaged 80 hours a week or maybe 65 hours a week. But from November, Thanksgiving time through the middle part of January, all through the holiday season, I averaged about 80 hours a week. And there's times I went well over 100, worked a 20-hour shift, did 120 hours in a work week. I mean, you think about it that wow. way. There's 168 hours in a calendar week, only 48 hours <laughs> that I have time to sleep, bathe, eat, groom, yeah. you know, do anything other than yeah. be at a work stud. So that's, about this a lot. those are the types of things that... <laughs> Those are the type of things that, that did well get me. So, you know, what, what kind of, uh, I know you're the interviewing me, but what, what kind of uh, shift have you had, Vanessa? Like, what have you uh, discovered as far as your your job search or your, your work plans? Funny that you talk about, like, that you were always working and that kind of thing. And I'm like, that sounds like me, especially when I was younger. I, you know, would always jump at the chance to work on a holiday because I knew I was going to get paid extra. Or I was a dog walker for a while, which was actually a really great job, but it intellectually wasn't stimulating enough, which is why I stopped doing it. But yeah, you know, they would say, oh, we need you to, we need somebody to cover a shift. And it got to the point where my boss would just come to me first because she always knew that I was willing to. And it was because, yeah, it would make me more. And I felt like I just was always hustling, but at the same time, I didn't mind it. But your priorities shift. Like I started dating my now husband and Mm. I don't want to be spending the hours that we could be spending together doing work. We want to start a family. And so that's going to really shift my priorities and my time as well. And I just, yeah, I got to this point where I was like, actually, to be honest, this last year, I was working full time, but also I'm a podcast producer. So I have, you know, multiple clients that I'm working, doing that kind of work for. And I have had about two weeks off because of the holidays. And I'm just so burnt out. Mm -hmm. Like I'm still recovering from all of that. And now I'm not working full time. I'm working at the same job, but very part time and now have these podcast clients as well. And it's uh, a little easier to balance the time, but now I'm not making enough money. So it's just this constant like mm. balance of trying to make it work. And so my, yeah, my, I guess what's shifted for me is this realization that I would like to have a steady income doing something that I don't hate (laughs) with people that I am okay with working with. They don't have to be my best friends. One of the cringiest things Mm -hmm. to me is when people call a workplace a family. I'm like, nope, that's not my family. Not that there's anything wrong with that. For some people, that might be really great, but not for me. For me, I just want to keep it real. You know, I just want to go do my job, make the money that I need to make, do my job well, not hate the people I'm working with, not hate the job I'm doing have that financial support, and then also be able to sign off and, or if I'm in an office, go home and leave work there. That's kind of how my priorities have have shifted, I think. And I'm okay with that. You know, I wrestled with a while for a while about whether or not that was the right thing. And I think I'm okay with it. I want to ask Ryan now, I mean, after all of this, you are still multi-potentialite. And I'm curious of how you complete the picture of you know, your life, your identity, because it's more than just work. It's more than just your job. What are the things keep you busy, your interests and hobbies? But how do you fit all that into your time and how do you kind of prioritize and find that balance that we all kind of struggle with or just maybe strive towards as multi-potentialites? We want to do so many things. So what are the things you want to do and how do you manage to fit it all together? I think my key to success is even at 43, I have the same energy of a seven-year-old. I could just run and run around. The people, the kids give me, oh. hey, where are the kid out? All right. You know, so I could. Can you give me some of that? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like some of that too, please. Yeah. <laughs> All my friends and who have little kids like, hey, could uh, yeah, wear them out for us. You know, <laughs> you know, 
but I think I'm so much of a multi-potentialite that I actually just start things and stop them and then pick them up again and start them mm-hmm. again. And like, ah, it's not a to-do list. It's more like, well, I'll never get around to it. But one of the side projects I do with work, it's a volunteer deal, is, and it lasts usually a month or so. There's a hiring authority within the United States federal government called Schedule A. It's for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So every year, usually in October, November, I, I join up with this workforce recruitment program. And I interview college students and recent grads and try to help them get their first internship or first entry-level job for those who are interested in, in, in federal service. And I interview usually 15 to 20 students a year, interview, give them some resume critiques, and I, I budget that into a full 40-hour work week in addition to my regular mm-hmm. work. And like I said, it usually goes three to four weeks, and I, I meet up with the school coordinators. It's all, it's all over the phone or online. There's no in-person um, interviews even before there was COVID. But that's something I found a, a great joy in because I'm helping some of these young people and I'm their first voice. Oftentimes they hear of what life is like on that side. Other projects, I, I joined Literary Cleave. I do some short writing and some different piece writing and even some that's similar to maybe what a book club would be where we read short stories and then have a, have a discussion of them. And it's interesting because we all grew up in our own certain little bubble when we're kids. Yeah. We know our little community, our little corner of the world. And then as an adult, you start to get exposed to things you weren't exposed to, and you, you just don't understand that frame of reference. And writing is one of the great ways, and reading is one of the great ways to to share that with others. And I, I believe writing, especially good quality writing, putting your thoughts down and having other people read them is one of the highest forms of intelligence to show people, to convey to people a message of what you want to say and do and the theme of what you're working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as my other hobbies, I, I read a lot. I exercise daily. I love to cook. So I usually have cook-a-thons on Saturday or Sunday afternoons with a ball game on in the background nice. or or uh, music or something else going on and, and devoted myself to getting healthier that way. My thing is I'm one of those people I lose interest in stuff very easily. Mm-hmm. And I don't shy away from that. I remember you still like to do this. Yeah, that was two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> remember you still like that? Yeah, that's when I was 12. I mean, there's, there's things that come on. But yeah. I think, yeah, I think each of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we have our own magic formula. And it doesn't have to be written down. It doesn't have to be contrived. I, I do get up in the morning and write. I try to write three pages a day. I picked that up from an artist's way class, uh, Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's oh, Way. Oh, so good. And, and some days I'd struggle to write three pages. Some days that I just have to stop right after three pages and go on with the rest of my day. But beyond, I think it's in the, the Desiderata, beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. Yeah, that's and, good. And perfection is the enemy of creation. Yeah. But as far as getting to the core of Ted's question, and if there's anything I pass along to anybody who's going to listen to this or, or wants to reach out to me in the putty verse. Mm. We're constantly changing. We're, we're like, and even though we're flesh and blood, we're all still gears. There's there's the little gears that keep after moving, so the big gears move. And some move slow, some move fast. It's like seasons of seasons of the year and seasons of life, where we, we we find things that matter to us, and then as we experience other events or meet other people, they don't matter as much. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with changing. You're supposed to change. Uh, if you remain stagnant your whole time, you're going to miss an awful. And yep. you can't con- can't control the past. You can only look ahead. And some of the things I was interested in doing a year ago, I'm no longer interested in doing. Mm. I was considering pursuing an MFA in creative writing. Mm. Well, after taking this class at Literary Cleveland, I think the key is not so much to go into a classroom, it's to actually sit down and write. To just do mm-hmm. it. Or, or type and, and mm-hmm. read some good quality books and read some short stories like the groups I'm in with Lit Cleveland. Listen to some other people who are maybe more advanced than you or maybe starting where you where I was a couple years ago. And whether we make them public or keep them private, you may not always be happy with the end result, but you got to be happy with what you're doing. Yeah. And if at some point in time that it fizzles out, hey, it fizzles out. So where, well, where can people find you besides the Puttyverse? And are you the type of 
artist who likes to share what you're working on or is it something that you know you keep for yourself which is fine or do you share bits and pieces along the way where else can people find you mostly in the puttyverse i'm also on linkedin anybody wants to reach out to me in the forum or, or a direct message you're welcome to both from the puttyverse and linkedin as far as my sharing i have shared different things in the open mics both here around the city of cleveland and on in the puttyverse we've had open mic nights and other things i've put in there you don't have to put a ton into it to get a lot out of it you just got to put yourself into it and explore the events page, explore the groups page. Join us in the fortnightly some Saturday if you're up early or if you're in another part of the world yeah. in the early afternoon. But listen listen to the podcast that Ted hosts or, or <laughs> join. Mm-hmm. If you're not a Canadian, join us uh, to Canadian Forum. I did that the one time, the Canadian event. Oh, that's right, yeah. Last, last that was spring. fun. We should do that again. I want to go to a Canadian event. Yeah, we had uh, that came out of the offers and needs market, one of them. Yeah. And mm. I, just one of my offers was because there had been some questions and and chatter about canadian things someone was looking to move here travel or whatever it was and it occurred to mm-hmm. me well let's have a huddle and people can ask their questions and have a mix of canadians and americans or whoever else and uh you know just learn about canada so i did it and i happened to be at the cottage that day of my one day off of work at the time but it was a nice day and i could like turn the camera and you could see a nice lake and the the dock and all the rest it was like perfect canadian setting (laughs) nice that sounds so i like (laughs) and that reminds me too again everyone listening like you can create your own events you can you know submit things and try things out you might have a couple people attend you might be surprised and have a dozen or more whatever it is but uh, it's a chance to try things out just like on this podcast you know this is our chance to try different formats and experiment with things and meet lots of different people and that's what we've done today it's all part of celebrating our anniversary and four years for us four plus years for ryan and we're coming up on 10 years for the Puttyverse this spring so i'm sure we'll be talking about that a fair bit over the next few weeks so thanks very much ryan for coming on the show it's been great to get to yeah, know thank you, you ryan. and to hear your voice and share your input and your story too you know i wanted to finish too by saying like we talk a lot about business and entrepreneurship and freelancing that kind of stuff on this show but it's perfectly valid of course to think about job searching and yeah. you know finding a quote-unquote normal job or a steady job and that's perfectly fine it's it's really figuring out the mindset for that and what works for yourself so i'm glad we had the chance to talk about some of that today Oh, my pleasure. And if you want to host me back again, uh, sure. I'm more than happy. We have part two somewhere along the line, the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> but keep keep up the good work, Ted. Thanks. I mean, yeah. A lot of people listen to this and a lot of a lot of people get heard for the first time. So this is really wonderful. And Vanessa, it was great to meet you. And uh, You as well. Thanks so much for being on. Best of luck and stay healthy to both of you. Yeah, you too. You as well.